The Flyers are winning in a rebuild. How is that possible? Simply coaching. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is Orange and Back Check episode 164. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you sign up using promo code THPN to get your bonus. And man, this has been a fun week. Another, you could kind of call it a contending group of wins. Uh, Got two wins, obviously, against Pittsburgh. A win against Arizona after they went through their own gauntlet against the champions of the NHL over the last couple of years. And then capping it off a night in Colorado where they uh, not bailed out, but Carter Hart stood on his head and came up big in moments. And they were able to pull away with it 5-2. And we're looking at down the barrel of a four-game win streak, second place in the Metropolitan. And Scott, I thought this team, I certainly was expecting it, was supposed to stink was supposed to be tanking, was supposed to be uh, outside of the playoffs, top 10 pick, all of that. You were on top of this very early on. So other than I told you so, what are you thinking? I'm Hockstradamus. I'm the hockey version of Hockstradamus. That's what I think, Bill. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, there's no. it's hard disputing it. I mean, listen, I think what... um, this week has easily set up, uh, or what this performance has set up is people are finally realizing like a rebuild and a, and a uh, winning ways can are not mutually exclusive, which we'll get into. Um, tanking is the thing that they are mutually exclusive because you're selling off pieces um, and all that fun stuff. So uh, last night against Colorado, I, I thought. They were walking into, obviously, a big challenge. They had only lost, I think you said, three times in Colorado uh, at the I – don't, I don't think it's the – Colorado Pe- had three home losses at the time. Yeah, I don't think it's the Pepsi Center anymore. Maybe it is. I don't uh, know. No, it's the ball – it's Ball Arena. Ball Arena. You know, like ball, like the mason jars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I know. It's strange. It's <laughs> Whatever. There used strange. to be a, there you, there's an arena that's crypto.com. So anything's possible at this point, I guess. Um Yeah, these are you know what? I, I want to talk about that at some point. These stupid arena names are out of control, man. Like, you know, listen, don't get me wrong. I understand like Seattle Climate Pledge Arena, but I mean, hey, let's go down to Climate Pledge and let's watch the game. Like, come on. Like, it's supposed to be a nickname. Yeah. Like these damn rights. Let's go down to the crypto and, you know, cash in on some Bitcoin and watch the team. <laughs> Stupid. Like Citizens Bank Park, you call it the bank. Like the Link Financial Field, you call it the Link. The Well Goes Fargo Center, you, you call it the center. Or, you know, like, you know, the back when it was the first Union Center, you go, go down to that and go to the FU Center or the Wachovia Center or, you know, like down at the, you know, down at Wells Fargo. Like, come on, people. Let's have a little more sense of that with your marketing skills. Um, I was always, so going into the Colorado game, you always kind of like, all right, they're on a nice three game win streak. They're going against the defending champions. Um, if they lose, it's whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and they kind of just, they don't let the moments get too big. And I think that's really, as I said, in the start down to coaching, um, we saw, we saw them kind of make a few mistakes. Let it like that one power play. The only reason that they didn't give up a shorthand goal is because of Carter Hart. I mean, that was crazy. I, I don't remember what period it was, but there there was a rough power play, and that's really been the holdup for this team. Th- they're they're a plus ten goal differential. I think there's more to be had if the power play was clicking on all cylinders, but at the same time, it's kind of being made up because the shorthanded goals continue to go. Like it, Travis Connect seven so far this year. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Travis Connect is just a menace. And able to spring for spring a uh, spring something on those uh, power play, or on those penalty kills, and that comes down to uh, coaching. Tortorella has this team playing to the level that he wants them to, and when they do make a mistake, he's lambasting them when he needs to, publicly or privately, and then, but also keeping them calm which is what we have not seen this team go through and and really focus on before Tortorella, under John Yo, uh, Mike Yo and 
and Elaine Vigneault, where they just let the moments pile on, and that one-goal lead turned into a two-goal deficit very quickly. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that, you know, if you go back to, you know, and, and I, I've said this a lot, and first of all, I, I got to say, like, you know, I'm only messing around with the Hawks thing. Honestly, Bill, when you look at the way this team was constructed, the coaching as a whole, you, there was there was no reason that this team would not come around and, and start and start making this turn around this corner very quickly because they are more of a veteran team than you think. I think though, with if you want to break this down into two parts, there there's two parts to this. There's the on ice portion, and then there's the mental side. Now, John Tortorella t- talked about, especially when he first came in, he, he prefers doing the mental side of the game. That's absolutely it's different. It's it, it and it's the, it's the truth. There is two portions of the game here. Yes, there is a physical component because you're you're skating and you're on the ice and you're using your body and all that stuff. But there's a huge mental component too, and a lot of that is is helping players mature, not as just as players, but as people. The mental side of the game is so underutilized, and especially with today's athletes. No disrespect to millennials. I mean, which I find derogatory, but adults under 40. <laughs> I was going to say, you're close. Uh, to, you're basically, you're on that border. Uh, I am a millennial. Yeah, I know I that. Say, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say adults. I, I, I find the term millennials derogatory, and I'll explain later on. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's, 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 it, 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 it gives everybody, if I say adults under 40, and if you're, and you're thinking, okay, adults under 40, if I say millennials, you're thinking, oh, they don't want to work. They don't want to do us. Like, that's just how people, they, they, it's stigmatized. So, anyway, I digress. With, with millennials and Gen Z, you have to coach them differently than what you did back in 20 years ago when you're talking about Gen X and, you know, the boomers and all that stuff. It's just a different generation. But the thing is, the mental side of the game becomes becomes weaker because you're not doing that hard coaching. You're not doing that, you know, like, you know, really get, getting on guys and grinding and just piss them off like Herb Brooks style. What you're doing is really is you're trying to get these kids to understand is that they need to mature and, and blow these things off. Like, you know what I mean? If you're down in a game, I think there's a missing issue with a lot of coaching with younger players. And I'm not trying to go off on a tangent here, but the, I, this is going to make my point. If you look at the teams in the league right now, the way that the standings are set out, you'll see like there are some teams that have had the opportunity to to go deep into the playoffs and make those runs and be, build that mental toughness. But, but if you don't, where are you going to get that from? And, and the key is, is that, there's not enough as far as um, challenging players and forcing them to to let go of these stuff because all these players were always the best in everything that they did. They're not used to losing like this. So instead of using that as a competitive edge to get better, some guys sulk over it because they don't know how to respond to it because they've never been through it before. And that's why at a young age, you have to – coach that winning and losing doesn't matter but again all these guys used to be the best of what they did when they played in their, in their younger days and all that they were the best of the best some guys can't haven't learned how to process the losing portion and how to lose the, the challenge what john tortorello is doing with this team is taking these players and basically saying you have to work hard you have to battle through it it's not going to come to you easy these are all professionals out here the more you start working hard on the ice the more you realize that, you know what, I'm going to grind this thing and I'm going to continue working until I get it. And if I don't get it, you know what, there's always next game. I'll just brush it off and go to the next one. It's just, hey, look, you made a mistake. No big deal. Move on. Okay. You can't go back and fix it. You can't dwell on it because then you're not going to be thinking about the next portion. Go out and make the next play instead. Like, yeah, you screwed up. Okay. It happens. All right. Pick yourself up and go make another play. You're going to have another chance to step on the ice in about 45 seconds. So you have a minute out there to make some action. Don't forget about the 45 seconds that you just had or forget about it because if you made a mistake, oh, well, you can't go back and fix it. I don't think with a lot of these players on this team that that has been coached outside of players like Scott Lawton, Carter Hart, Sean Couturier. That's not a slight like a guy like Travis Connect who's on fire right now, but it just took him longer to build it. And I think he's got the right coach to do it now. Look at Owen Tippett. You know, look at Tyson Forrester. Tyson Forrester wasn't scoring goals, but they weren't benching him because he was doing all the little things right. So he was responsive to the coaching. Morgan Frost getting benched. You got to wonder what's going on there with that. Now that he's playing again, you know, you know, Noah Gates, you know, that's a huge example of a player that had just basically learned how to mature and play the right way and, and, and deal with those types of things. The, the whole point of that 
all of what I just said is that John Tortorella has really focused in on his coaching on the mental portion of the game, and it's showing the results on the ice. Because it doesn't matter if you're down, it doesn't matter if you're up, you're playing the game the same way, you make a mistake, you shrug it off, you move on, you go make another play. And that is so something that you don't see throughout younger players and win the NHL right now, is that really is giving the Flyers the edge. And that's what I was talking about a while back when saying that second season improvement that you're seeing from John Tortorella, it has been proven that's what happens. He's done it with a team like Columbus, when Columbus didn't really have a whole lot of talent out there. Now he's doing it with the Flyers, who are arguably a more talented team. And to have a team that doesn't have a budding superstar, and they're a plus 10. They're a plus 10 goal differential. That means not only are you scoring goals, but you're, you're playing sound defensively. And I think that the on-lice piece of that is that the Flyers are really have good flow right now. And they're in a, they're in a, a point in this rebuild where they are where they need to be. They, they, they are where they need to be, considering the circumstances. And I even said it last season, you know, not to be repetitive, I've said it the last season, if the Flyers had a full healthy roster last year, this is where they would be today. This is where they would be. They would be at this point. Now you got Couturier back. Now you have a healthy Cam Atkinson. Now you got Rasmus Sestroyan back, who's played very well since returning back. And all the improvements that they've made over the past year are now paying or and now, now are paying off. I'm glad that you're bringing up the, the likes of uh, of, uh, of of Ristolainen because I think what's what we're going to approach. Uh, and COC put it perfectly. Like we saw, we started seeing uh, rumors circulate that Ristolainen was being interested and floated around with Toronto of all teams, trying to get a, a defenseman like that back on their roster to improve their roster. One, I, I agree with COC. They're not making any trades this month or even possibly next month in January. Right. I think they're waiting right. until right up against the deadline. And what? And they have no need. Like you are a team, because Ristolainen, if he is movable you move him you can move him i don't think that 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 and this is where the flyers way of being able to do this rebuild recognizing what players like the names of the likes of uh owen tippett sean couturier travis konechny who are going to be here in in hopefully three or four years obviously my concerns with couturier are are an outlier on that i'm not an outlier but uh, have Mm -hmm. uh serious value in terms of the next three or four years with him but I don't think Ristolainen could be here. I don't think, um, obviously, Walker's not going to be here. Uh, Stahl's not going to be here. Like, those players. So, you're able to have this very rare moment of being to rack up wins, like they are, uh, specifically against division rivals, like you just had those nice wins that we talked about on last episode against Pittsburgh. Um, And then you're beating... (laughs) A decent team in Arizona that's surprising some people. A really, really good team in defending champions in Colorado. So, or excuse me, um, uh, they're not the defending champions. Vegas is, but former right. uh, yeah, winners. Two seasons ago. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. So, like, they're able to compete with these teams while also recognizing, and Torts will say this, like, we can win these games while also recognizing we're not exactly where we want to be. So, I still expect them to make the moves of unloading players for picks or players that are uh, 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 that need a change of scenery, that kind of thing that you can see building. I think it's more likely the former in terms of uh, getting draft picks. But also, to your point, if this team is as talented as they are right now with a healthy Couturier, with a healthy Cam Atkinson, and you're like, holy shit, like this team can go... The, the old adage joke of we're only two to three years away that we've heard for the last decade and a half is mm-hmm. finally like, oh, we really are only two or three years away because you're already the 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 excitement around Cutter Gautier down in Boston is getting more and more uh, noticeable with right. each passing highlight that I see on Twitter or X uh, on Facebook, and you're just like, when is this kid gonna come? He's gonna come. Uh, he's yep. coming up in probably. Uh, hopefully late March, early April, depending on how far Boston goes in the Frozen Four. That's a huge thing. And obviously the the Mad Russian, as we talked about last week. Like, the fact that we have two prime talents, that are blue-chip talents, I should describe them as, in, Go- in Cutter Gauthier and, and, and Michkov, 
waiting in the wings for an already seemingly talent, very talented team. We are two to three years away. And that's the exciting part. And I'm and it's funny because like if you listen to this show and you're a diehard, like I hope you are, and if you're a newbie, welcome. This is a very different tone than I was talking about three months ago, four months ago. Just last week, yeah. Bill. Just honestly, just last week. There is a very what I, I don't think a lot of people recognize, recognized, including myself, was that John Tortorella's impact, while it is divisive in the in the fan sense, where you see his coaching style, because sometimes it can rub fans the wrong way. I mean, I've spoken endlessly about it, how how he sometimes handles the scratching of certain players. However, there was a clip that circulated around, uh, I want to say early this week, with Michael Delzato saying, giving them praise about how much this guy cares about his players and just wants the best out of them. And mm-hmm. like, when you hear that kind of stuff consistently, now obviously you obviously hear the outliers too of people that don't like playing for Tortorella, and that's with any case. Pierre Luc Dubois, right. Patrick Laine, but uh, yeah. if the consistent or if the majority of these players like playing for him, then you have the ability to recognize that your team is lacking talent in certain areas while also realizing they're going to make up for that talent in hard play and just being a pain in the ass for these teams. And that leads me to thinking, I think teams are going to start taking the Flyers more seriously. I'm not saying like the, the, because obviously Colorado played a hell of a game. Carter Hart bailed them out, uh, in, in, not bailed them out, but like kept them in it to win that game eventually 5-2. But I think there is a slight mental mindset. And again, this comes down to coaching of top tier teams kind of seeing the Flyers on their schedule and just going, not the biggest talent. We don't have to play our full game. And now we're 28, 29 games in or whatever it is for certain teams. And you're like, oh, shit, we have to take this team seriously. And you're going to start to see the challenge rise a little bit. So it might level off here in terms of getting them uh, down towards more towards the wild card. But teams are certainly going to start like, oh, we have to take this team seriously. Uh, oh, 100%. To, to, to the degree mm-hmm. that we have to be. Not just saying, 100%. And, yeah. and they should have they should have already. I mean, and, and, and the key is, is that you know, you look around at the NHL right now, and, and the Flyers. It's just weird to see them in second place right now. It is, yeah. You, you make you make you make a really good point, Bill, about like you know, like how coaching is like. You know, your your tone has changed over the past few weeks because just as recent as two episodes ago, you're like, "See, this is what I don't like about Tortorella," but it's getting results. Like, you're not going to like everything about everybody, every coach, whatever. Get it? As fans, but the thing is, is like. And not to harp on the fact that, you know, I've been calling this for a while. Like, I, I, I'm no, not, I'm not talk your shit, fact. man. You called this. You like, Talk <laughs> your shit. Listen, I'm not saying here I was right. But the thing is, is that there's, there's a difference between a fan perspective and someone who's actually either played the game or coached the game or looks at the game differently. And that's me. Like, yeah, my fan, yeah, but I look at the game completely different than fans do. Like, when you say, oh, we got to rebuild, why are we winning now? Like, why wouldn't you want to win now? Like, why wouldn't you? Like, stop with the draft pick obsession and the tanking thing. And I really got to give Sam Hinkie shit for that because he's the one who really got it in this this mindset that that's what you have to do is that the whole point of rebuild is blowing everything up and restarting from scratch. No, that puts you back a decade. Like, you don't realize that puts you back a decade. Not two to three years, a decade. Because when you dra- you got to go through one season to get a high draft pick, and then you get that high draft pick, and you let that high draft pick develop, which they're 18, so you develop, you expect them to be like Wayne Gretzky at 18? No. Wayne, I think it, the you- difference, too, is like it's not, I don't want to say it's easier, because but like the roster sizes in basketball compared to the other sports makes it more palpable to say, we're going to tank for one season, and then this one superstar athlete that we hope will develop into a superstar in three to four years is enough to carry a team to the playoffs. You can't do that in hockey because you're rolling four lines, you're rolling uh, three lines of defense. So it's very much different. Same with football. Like um, even football team, you're not going to win. Right. So 
I do think what I made the mistake of, and I want to think what a lot of people mistake made the mistake of was like, oh, just do what you did with the Philadelphia 76ers and slap it on what um, the fl- the Flyers need to do. And then you saw them hire Tortorella and you're like, oh, these don't match because Tortorella is not a losing guy. Tortorella is about winning, winning, winning to the best of the team's ability and, and extent. Cause like it's even deeper than that. Here's one thing I can I can guarantee you. What's that's that? even deeper than that. Tortorella is about building I, I think structure with young players, building the structure. Yes. Yeah. We we, we talked about it last season, how it, we're not even building the foundation. We're building the footings yeah. in 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 this in this building. Um I think what Torts is able to do is just say, here's where we are. The most I want the most amount of wins that like what we get at the end of this season in terms of points is the most amount of points that they could have possibly like there's not going to be dropped points somewhere is what I'm saying. Like, obviously, what they get in points at the end of the season is the most amount of points that they get. But I don't think we're going to look back and be like, they should have won this game and that kind of thing. Like the the points that they got was expected. Mm-hmm. They'll, they're going to end up in the 80s. Like I, I like if you if you were like me and took the over 75 and a half, 76 and a half, I think they're flirting with 80s. Um I know you're probably gonna say no, I, I think it'll be close to 90 points, man. I mean, right they have they have yeah. 32 and 27. You double that, that's 54 and, and uh what's it called? That's um yeah, it's 54 and, and 64. So that's a 10 point differential right there with 28 games to go. So I mean, and you have another 32 yeah. points after that, you're looking you're looking right around you're looking at them high nineties at that point. So I want to get into an interesting comment made by Carter Hart last night because I think this is what they're using as fuel um, to uh, get these wins. But first, as always, this episode of uh, Orange and Backcheck is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet the action on the ice each and every night with DraftKings Sportsbook. Jump on the flyers, man. Whatever that money line is, I think they're going to continue. I think I could see Vegas continuing to see them as underdogs and giving them a play. uh, especially up, coming up against Nashville, take the Flyers on the money line. No matter what that money, uh, what that wherever that money line is, take them. Download the app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can get one hundred and fifty bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just five dollars on hockey. That's promo code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the NHL Hockey of the National Hockey League. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Carter Hart had an interesting comment after last night's game. Um, Boiling it down to... Uh, I don't think anybody wants to win us right now. Obviously, I think he's re- referring specifically to the Flyers fan base. Um, if I were to guess, put him with a little bit of truth serum. I think I don't think they're hope. I don't. I don't think any. I don't think it's that nobody wants you to win. I don't think people were expecting you to win like this. I think that's what the difference is. I think as we continue, like listen. I we're posting about it on Twitter at OO Backcheck about how they're in second place in the Metropolitan. More hockey podcasts and more hockey websites are doing the exact same thing. It's not it's not new. I think more people are going to start recognizing the Flyers and seeing these W's rack up rather than I, I just think the expectations were so low for this team, no one really knew what to do. And it's not about wanting them to lose or expecting them to win. It's just like, we don't really know what you are right now. I think that's the difference. And the other thing is, and someone put this out. I'm not going to take credit for it. I, I wish I, I I had, I cannot remember who it was. It might've been um, uh, James from H and W. This is why you don't trade Carter Hart in the off season last year. Not because he is a, a potential black ball player. I think there's a, a, 
I think there's more light showing that he might be off the hook on this. We'll find out when Hockey Canada is released. But the reason you don't trade Carter Hart is because he is a top-tier goalie that is almost impossible to find at the age that he is, playing at the level he is. And the fact that he continues to do it on a consistent night-in and night-out basis is why you are like, we're set at goalie. Everything else in front of him has to be put together correctly. And that's where the W's are coming from. And when's the last time we've had that? When's the last time that Uh, Philadelphia has had that? We were barely uh, alive. That's to say, so why would you trade a goaltender that you've been bitching about? You haven't been able to develop, develop one in-house for 20 years. You've had one that's in your system for now for seven years and in this organization, and you're just going to let him walk? No. And by the way, had one down year. Everyone was panicking in 2021 about how he was playing, and then he bounced back in 2022 and hasn't looked back since. Agreed. Like, like it's been – that that – moment in 2021 when we saw him teetering and just going okay what what's going on here because this is not the in the plans and then the fact that he just said i am a strength headstrong mother and able to do this and get back on level terms with what he was playing at prior to 2021 some of the, the one of the best rebounds that we have not really talked about enough in philadelphia sports did you just bleep yourself I did. I don't know I, why. You I totally did. just, but that was not an edit, people. He totally just bleeped himself. <laughs> I, swear. I think in my radio voice, my radio, uh, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, the FCC. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, the Carter Hart story is actually really, because it's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the key with Carter Hart. You can't find good goaltending. It, go, good goaltending is like top line centers and top defensemen. They don't grow on trees. You have one. You've developed them. He's in, he's in-house. Why would you let him walk? Why would you trade him? Stop focusing on the assets. I want to go back to what you were saying about Rasmus Ristolainen in a little bit. A little bit. So I'm kind of torn on that. Because the thing is, is like, you know, everybody say, oh, trade Carter Hart and go get as much as you can for him. A team will pay night and day for him. Okay, well, I mean, what 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 is a team going to give up that's going to make the difference for a good goaltender or top-end goaltender? Really, what what's it going to be? What, what are you going to get back? Seriously, I'm, somebody it, tell me it, what you're going to get back. It would just be drafted. Right, it would just be unknown draft picks and and, and, for and, and players di- that are haven't worked out in one area. We, we've already we've already acquired a goaltender like that in Cal Peterson. That's why you have him. You have him as depth. I think like if if they were literally if they were serious about Carter Hart, you would find a team desperate enough. I mean, Edmonton is desperate enough to get rid of high end talent. They're, I'm not talking M, uh, McDavid or Drysital. But that next tier of players that could make a serious impact on the Flyers, you would get that talent. I don't think it's a matter of uh, getting a fringe talent that needs a change of scenery. Like you would absolutely have to require known talent in the NHL for a guy like mm-hmm. Hart. But I don't think anyone's going to give that up because they like. I don't think the Flyers are going to be give. Be, it comes down to the Flyers. Like I'm sure they're getting calls, mm-hmm. not every day, but at least each week about Carter Hart. I would imagine, especially in this offseason, I don't think that would shock us if that if they were getting calls. I think everyone thinks that everyone is on the table in the Flyers network, within reason. Obviously, big names like Sandheim. Yeah, they're willing to listen. But they'll, they'll listen on mm-hmm. anything. But I think they're hanging up very, very quickly. The Flyers are. I don't think they're bothering with anything unless – and. The only exception, I just talked about uh, Edmonton. Unless Edmonton is calling up today and says, give us Carter Hart, we'll give you dry sidle straight up. You say yes mm, to that. I don't like, know if that, you I, But like, you would at least hold on to the phone a little bit yeah, longer than you, would. you have been. You would. It would start a conversation. I mean, I wouldn't do that deal. That's not nearly enough for Carter Hart. Sorry. I know it's on dry sidle, but it's it's a goaltender. You You only have one. You know, Dreisaitl is an elite high-end talent, but at the same time, which which doesn't grow in the trees either. But again, you, you, how hard is it to find that one goaltender? Can you plug in Sam Erson and have this team playing the way it is? I, I don't know right now. I, I, it's, it's very, yeah, it's it's a good question to have because Erson has been playing 
very yeah, well. Yeah, he has. In the back And of his role. stats are like, deceiving, too, because he's got a 278 and an 885 save percentage. But that's really because of that yeah, one, that first weird. two games that he played. He, Sam Erson's been excellent since then. But Carter Hart is on the earth, and his goals against average is 2.42. But his save percentage is, 9, 20, is 919. He's teetering yeah, 920. He's putting up elite numbers. He's, that's he's elite, elite material he, yeah. if you get to 920 right there. The goals against average is a little high for that. But the save percentage, I mean, he's he's getting volume against them. Now that just tell, the, the 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 high save percentage with the highish uh, goals against average tells me he's letting up a goal, a bad goal or two, uh, in in the course of a a, a game stretch. Like he had that bad goal against um, Pittsburgh, I oh, think Carolina, it was. Carolina, so like, yeah, and Carolina. Really, he's giving up some bad yeah. goals, but so but it's not backbreaking bad goals it's not steve mason in the playoffs letting up a goal from the the uh, look, i know you're gonna the, harp on mace for that one like i get it it's a bad time to give up a bad goal but mace mace played very well for that team for a very long time he played fine yeah, but, yeah I'm i know, not, I, I, I know it, the point just a you're moment. Making. but that but that's the yeah. point right like you get up the you let up these bad goals but everyone in the surrounding vicinity the casual fan us we know that's not you. Like you, you know, we can you can play better than what you have been. So why are well, you letting okay. up these bad? I want to go back because I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you brought up that yeah. that one. And yeah, I want to find the clip for it to overlay with what I'm about to say. That Seth Jarvis goal from Carolina against the Flyers. That that was a backbreaking goal. But it's the strangest goal that I've ever seen a goalie give up. Because when mm-hmm. Seth Jarvis comes in. You can see him kind of flub the shot a little bit, and it changed the angle. So Carter goes to kick out with his leg, gets a huge chunk of it, and it wedges under what's called the scoop of the goalie pad and his skate. And he went to push because he lost sight of it. Now, the rule is is that when you're a goalie and you don't know where the puck is, you don't move. But in that position, it's a bang-bang thing. You get, oh, shit, where's that? And we slide over. He's probably got it and going to the other side. It 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 basically wedged out from underneath this pad and his skate and, and fluttered into the net. Now that put him down three one that point when the Flyers were actually pressing at that point and they wound up losing with the empty netter. But that's a strange goal. But I'm going back to your point saying it, it does not happen that often anymore that he's giving up those things. He's not getting beat through the body. He's getting p a beat when there's bang bang chances in front. Look at the way that Lawson Kraus scored the one goal against with Arizona the other night. Carter Hart goes to push off. If he keeps his pad down and continues sliding, he stops it because it just goes right underneath it, slid underneath the and it was a bang bang play. And when it's fast, it happens. But he's trying to push to get in position, left a little bit of a gap, and Lawson Kraus hit it. To go back to your point, the Flyers are doing a very good job of keeping place to the outside. A lot of shots are coming. They're not coming from high danger scoring chances. The Flyers are playing very structured defensively. But when Carter Hart is faced with a high danger chance, He's coming up with the save because he doesn't have to do it every single time, night in, night out, multiple times. He's had to keep them in games, and he's had to make some tough saves, but he's not getting peppered. Believe it or not, Bill, and I think this is a key stat that people probably aren't realizing. How many shots do the Flyers have on the season so far? Like in total yes. between these 29 yes. games? 27 games. at least. 300 no, something? they have 882 shots in 27 games. Okay. Holy if shit. You, but here's the thing. If you average that out, that's 32.6 shots a game. Okay. Yeah. How many shots have they given up so far? 600. 764. That averages out to 28.29 shots a game. Okay. So they're, get, they're getting four more shots on goal than they are. You know, and I've noticed a lot. The Flyers are consistently over 30 shots on goal. Last night was one of the few nights of Colorado where they were outshot there and they, and they were in the thing. But the thing is, is that Carter Hart has given them a, a, a great chance to win these games by playing consistently and the Flyers keeping those high danger chances to a minimum. And I think that that's something that underlying is that people aren't paying attention to is that, yes, Carter Hart is keeping the game and, and making the stops he has to have because you're not getting him peppered with high danger chances and he's giving them an opportunity to win because they're sound defensively at this point. And that comes down to coaching. We talked about the, I brought up Edmonton about how just like they are, they're surging right now because they had the coaching change. They're on a six game win streak. 
But after that six game win, even after the six game win streak, they're only a plus one goal differential. The Flyers, who are on a four game win goal, uh, four game win streak right now, are on a plus ten uh, goal differential and second place in the Metropolitan. Edmonton's trying to get Claude's way back just into the uh, wild card right now. I think they'll get there because they have a guy named Connor McDavid playing for them who is also surging and continuing to play. It's like, like, oh, you thought I was playing bad. Let me show you what I really can do, can do. But at the end of it, they're still going to fall on their face. I'm fully anticipating Edmonton to fall on their face because they are not a well-organized roster. They have talent. The Flyers have talent diminished to the what Edmonton has, but they are playing better because of the coach. And their coach and that, was a former Flyer assistant coach, Chris Knobloch, for the 17-18 season and the 18-19 season. He was he was assistant, assistant coach wow. here. Here, here, yeah. here's here's the key. Here's the key, and and I'm really glad you're going into this because you know before the before in our in our pre-show we kind of did some digging into this and find out what's going on. I don't really like the comments that by Carter Hart they says I don't think anybody wants us to win right now, and I don't because, I mean, of course people want them to win and they want them to do well, but I I, I like how they're using that with fuel, but I don't like it because. In the sense of, I don't like it, not from from what he's saying. I don't like it because I think that the fans in this city, especially, they they should have they should have known better. They should know better. And I like the Flyers' unit's motivation, and they're proving it wrong. And I love that, but I don't like it. In fact, it's like, man, we've gotten to this point where it's like, man, I don't think they want us to win because people are still talking about rebuilding and tearing it down and stuff like that. Stop with that. It's done. I'm not bringing it up anymore. I'm not going to say I'm not. I'm not bringing up this this whole tear it down and rebuild. This is a rebuild. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Plain and simple. If you if you think that a rebuild is just tearing it down and resetting, shut up. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Winning during a rebuild is the Flyers' way. That is a rebuild. That, 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 that's what they're missing the point. You want them to win during the rebuild. You want them to. And you want them to win with less talent because that means there's a structure there. There's a culture there. There's the things, the foundations to build a winning culture again, because as you add pieces in and get better and better and better, that's when you become a Stanley Cup contender. I know this team is not winning the Stanley Cup this year. They're not They're not built to win a Stanley Cup. That Winning, there's only one Stanley Cup that goes out each year. Sorry, the Flyers are not in that talk right now. Even if they make the playoffs, they're not in that talk right now. Yes, there's a chance. Right, They should, and they shouldn't no. be. They, they, they shouldn't be. In probably that they could probably they can win around with this team, but when you get to that high end talent and the end in the playoffs, they just don't have have enough horses on the to pull the cart. They just it's they're not there yet. But that is a rebuild. A rebuild is taking these steps to big up and say, okay, we don't have we're deficient on talent. We have younger players. We want them to learn and play. They're winning right now. They're scoring goals right now. Travis Konecki's on a freaking tear right now and becoming the player he's supposed to be. You need that. That's rebuilding. You have Sean Couturier back, your top one center. Is he on two games in a row on a brace? Is that two games in a row he had two goals? Uh, I think I, I, think I saw it. He had the penalty he goal. He had two last night. He had the penalty shot goal and everything. But yeah. the point. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, continue. So the point I'm trying to make is that you want them to win right now. It's not about selling the farm away. I go back to your Rasmus Ristolainen point. I'd be on the fence about trading him because he is a piece of this team. He, now, hang on. He takes up a lot of cap yeah. space, okay? But if I'm going to trade him, I'm going to take Toronto and say, hey, I know you don't have a lot to begin with. I'm one something in value. What are you going to give up? Oh, the most valuable thing you have is cap space. Well, guess what? Guess what we have? We have cap space. You don't think you're going to resign Mitch Marner? Okay, well, we'll take Mitch Marner and we'll, we'll throw him. in a high-end draft pick with it too and you can take Rasmus to line it. We'll take Mitch Marner. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. That's how you're going to acquire this piece and that's how you add pieces around this rebuild. I'm only trading players if I'm getting equal value out of that. Like, if I'm getting a decent draft pick for a Mark Stahl, I'm doing that. Uh, Sean Walker's played very well this season, and it's hard to find defensemen who are playing well this like this. But at the same time, if you're giving me the right value for it, I'll do it because it'll add to giving me an I opportunity think, to do that. And, and, and that's the key. I, that, that, that's, what, that's what you do in a rebuild. This is the same exact yeah. formula they're following since two days. It's different how they've employed it, but it's the same formula. If you go back and look at that 2006-2017 that was dead last in the NHL, 
And the next season they come back, rebuilt with some additional players and put some pieces in there and a different coach and got it structured. They go and they make a run to the conference final. And it built the foundation for them to make that run to the final in 2010. This is the same concept. You're just taking a different approach by building it with your younger players. And you're going to sell high on these assets, man, because guess what? You have cap space, which is a luxury right now. And you take full advantage of that while you can. So if you're going to dump off a, a piece like Rasmus Ristolainen on that contract, well, guess what? You better give me something back like a first-round draft pick. And if you can't, if you need to get off money from your books, well, guess what? Give us something in return because that's what you're going to need to do to clear up cap space to do that. And that's the uh, that's the position the Flyers have put themselves in. And that's how you rebuild. Because now the teams that back in the day would fleece the Flyers to get that top-end talent, you can be the fleecers now. And that's how you build yeah. – like the Colorado Avalanche from the 1990s and the Eric Lindros trade. That's how you build um, the, uh, you know, as far as like uh, the the uh, the Anaheim Ducks in 2006, uh, 2007. Like that's how you build those teams like Dustin Penner on an offer sheet. Okay. I had to do that. Okay. We'll take the five round, five first round draft picks for that. Like that's, that's how you fleece teams now. You have, you have room to do that. So stop with this nonsense of a rebuild and they shouldn't be winning right now because, you, you want them to win. I don't know any fan that wants their team to lose and do that unless they're completely uh, obsessed with analytics and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about because it's exactly what's going on here. Sorry. And rant. No, you're right. I, 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 have, I have finally realized like this is what the Flyers are. Enjoy it. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is not one of these they're just good because it's December and teams are still trying to figure themselves out. This is what the Flyers are. So strap in. Jump on the wagon if you haven't already and enjoy it. And I think that there, there's a great point. And you're right, Bill. Let's strap in. Let's enjoy this. When's the last time we got to enjoy Flyers hockey to this level? By the way, not just enjoy Flyers hockey. A moment where all four Philadelphia teams, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, and um, the mm-hmm. Phillies, are, are all contenders in their respective sport. Like when was the last time we they, had they're, that? They're, playing, they're all playing at high level. Let's put it that way. Flyers are not contenders. Yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't mean. say contenders. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, but they're all playing at an entertaining value. They're winning. They're doing something right, and it's just fun to watch. The last time we've had this is like That's 2008. Like this is the last time we've had this. Yeah. Like when the Phillies went to the World Series, the Eagles went to the conference, uh, the the NFC Championship that year. You know, Flyers were making yep. that push in the playoffs. You know, you had the Sixers who were playing decent at the time. They weren't great, but they were playing decent. Um, you know, th- this is this is the key that people need to stop like taking. This is what this is why analytics ruins the game. Sorry, analytics just ruined the goddamn game because you you want to see how teams are performing right now. Take a look at the goddamn standings. And, and I'm sorry to get the current use some foul language and you pissed off here, but it's the truth. The Ottawa Senators are a plus eight goal differential. And they have a lot of talent on that team. Let's take a look at that roster a little bit. Let's see. They have um, who they've got here. They've got, uh, let me go back here because it's right here. They have uh, Brady Kachuk. They have Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzla, Drake Bakherson, Vladimir Tarasenko, Jacob Chikrin, Dominic Kubalik, Travis Hamonic. Those are guys, they have Zach McEwen. We know him. They have some pretty solid talent on that team, okay? If everything was all about doing a rebuild side, why there's no reason that team should be in the top three in the, in, the, in, the, in the conference. No reason. You know where they're at, Bill? They're dead last. And the top yeah. that, they have a plus eight goals differential, which tells me that they can't win tight games, which tells me that, and again, people are going to say, oh, close call Jerusalem on that team. No. It's <laughs> sure people are going to use that as an excuse. No. They don't have the horses because they don't have the right personnel behind the bench to be able to get this team mentally on the right level. There's no reason the team that much talent with a plus eight should be dead last in the conference. That means you're not playing structured defensively. That makes you pay plenty of errors. That means you're not playing well at all. Look at the Vancouver Canucks too. And this is a big feast because where were the Vancouver Canucks last season? Um, as far as I remember, the Vancouver Canucks were really, really poor the past few years. They haven't made the playoffs since 1920 in the bubble year. And uh, to be honest with you, they've made the playoffs once, once since 2015, and that was that bubble year. They've made the playoffs once, okay? Last season, okay, they had Travis Green as their coach, and they, I'm um, sorry, two years ago, they had Travis Green here. They had 8-15-2 eight eight start. Bruce Bruder came in, 
32, 15, and 10. They just missed the playoffs with that record last year. Brudrow, 18, 25, and 3. Gets canned, brings in Crick Tockett with the same roster. 20, 12, and 4. Very big improvement over that, okay? 20, 12, and 4. That's a, that's a massive flip in your ring game. We're basically the same roster. This year, Vancouver, they're second in their division, in the Pacific Division, with 37 points. And they have a plus 34 goal differential, okay? They've got great goaltending from Thatcher Demko. That team's come around. They have Quinn Hughes. They have Elias Pettersson. Again, it comes down to this. There's a team that has that much of a flip around, too, when they're in the same conversation as the Flyers on the West Coast. And they're they're now in second place in their division because of why, Bill? Because of good coaching, okay? The Arizona yeah. Coyotes, okay? The Arizona Coyotes are our first wildcard team. This is a team that doesn't even have an arena. They have a 5,000-seat stadium and they're talking about rebuild for the past three years. Their first wildcard, plus nine goal differential. It's coaching. Sorry, that's coaching, all right? Edmonton. Edmonton's... Okay, with all the talent that Edmonton has, well, let's put quote-unquote talent because really it's two guys. It's Dreisaitl and McDavid. As of right now, a plus-one goal differential. A plus-one goal differential. We know that they're a mess defensively. We know they have McDavid and they have Dreisaitl. But the thing is, is that it's a plus-one goal differential. Now, they've been on a tear since uh, they they uh, changed coaches and went over to Chris Knobloch and from uh, – um, uh, uh, Jay Woodcroft. So, I mean, they were at that point, Jay Woodcroft had this team at, you know, three, nine, and one. There's no reason for that. Uh, now they've won, let's see, they've won six in a row. So, and they're putting up a lot of goals. I mean, they haven't scored less than three goals since um, November 9th. So, everything they've had, they've been playing a lot of goals. I've been playing with a lot of goals. That's That's coaching. Okay, that that is that is absolutely 100% coaching because you're getting better and you're doing the little things right and you're focusing on different things. The Montreal Canadiens, this is one of the biggest pieces because I want to talk about next the defensive shit shows and tell you how why the Flyers are playing so well because they're defensively structured. There's teams out here that are defensive shit shows, and that's the only way you can describe it. The Montreal Canadiens, and this is key, the Montreal Canadiens in the wild card, they're six in the wild card, okay? All right? They're, they have a minus 20 goal differential, okay? Guess how many points they have on the season? The 27. They have 27 points, 27 games. They're a point per game team, okay? With a minus 20 goal differential. You know who's right below them at 25 points and a plus six, goal, six goals differential? The Pittsburgh Penguins. A team with a minus 20 goal differential is playing better than the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. So defensively, I'm telling you that, that that's a problem. They have, they have problems defensively. And this is why I'm bringing all this up to, 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 to validate the points that Bill and I are making. The Seattle Kraken, okay? They went deep in the playoffs last season. They went to the – they, did they go to the conference final? No, it was the second – no, they, they were conference final. They went to the conference final last year, okay? They're not even close. They're sixth in the wild card with a minus 24 goal differential, okay? Now, and with the same roster. And the biggest piece I want to talk about is the New Jersey Devils. For all the talent that they have on that roster, for all the offense they put up, the power of play, how it's best league at 33%. They've scored 91 goals on the season. That's more than the Rangers. That's more than the Flyers. That's that's right below Detroit and Tampa, okay, who are first and second in the wild card. They have, them, they have the third most goals in the conference. They've given up 91 goals. There is plus zero with, 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 with Jack Hughes, with Luke Hughes, with the way that roster's talented, they're a plus zero. They're even. They're even. So th this is why the point I'm trying to make is that when you have sound structure defensively and you're getting timely goaltending, that's what's winning you games because you can score 91 goals, but if you're giving up 91 goals, you're not going to win jack shit. And the reason why the Flyers are at where they're at right now is because they're a disciplined team that has given up the third least amount of goals in the conference. Okay. The Rangers, the Capitals, and the Senators all have given up 70. Okay. The Flyers are right behind that with 73. So you want to talk about a rebuild and a roundabout change? I'm not tearing up anything with a team that's only given up 73 goals through 27 games. 
and they're a plus 10 goal differential because that is a solid. They're winning on the road. This is their second four-game win streak of the season. There's a lot of other teams out there who should be doing a lot better, and they're not. And we're getting to that point in the season where generally, if you're in playoffs around the holidays, you're generally there at the end of the season. And there's a lot of of points that these kind of teams have to make up because, listen, the Flyers are now seven points ahead of Pittsburgh after last week's actions. You know, they are three points ahead of Carolina. They are three points ahead against the Devils. They are three points ahead against the, the, the Capitals. It's pretty solid right there. And if you play consistently like this, it's going to keep going. When teams are trying to chase and make up, when you try to press what happens in hockey, Bill, you start making mistakes. You start focusing on offense. You start losing things on defense. When you're playing structured sound hockey like the Flyers are right now, that's when things are going well. You don't, that, That's part of your rebuild. That's part of your teaching thing. And that's part of why you need to have the right people and the right seats and the right coaches behind the right benches. And that's what the Flyers have. They have the right guy behind the bench. They have the two right guys, seemingly, in the front office, in Keith Jones and Danny Briere, who I saw a funny meme that was like, it was Danny Briere standing in between uh, Boosh and JJ on the broadcast. And all they said was, this man is responsible for your mental health over the next 10 years. <laughs> it's Danny Briere. And that's really, but I trust him. Like, I'm trusting him with my mental health to have a competitive Seemingly already competitive Mm -hmm. hockey team that is nowhere near the talent level that we uh, that we know they need to be at, but they are still winning. They are still at second place in the Metropolitan, and they are being annoying to the high end talent teams in the middle of the season to say, "Hey, put us on your goddamn map. Recognize where the Philadelphia Flyers." And this is a new era of orange that has not been found over the last 10 seemingly t- 10 years or so. And that's what it matters. Because winning, as you said, winning is part of the rebuild. I cannot wait for the Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner. Hey, if Mitch Marner wants to come over, come on over. Uh, I cannot wait for the Cutter Gautier, for the Michkovs of the world to join this roster. Because it's going to be a lot of fun. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Get on the bandwagon if you haven't already. Yeah. That does it for episode 164 of Orange and Backcheck. Make sure you're following us, as always, at Backcheck on Twitter. Everywhere else on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Orange and Backcheck Podcast. Make sure you're following all of the great shows we have on the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, the THPN Network. Thank you, as always. We are back next week with another uh, round of episode 165. As always, have a good one. We'll see you next time. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard.